Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Pat Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bocris. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltadors. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. I am Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Oaks Oilers. It's Joe Bryan. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Face-off, 50-50, that's it. Minnesota Nice. Minnesota Duluth, national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Frolunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Happy weekend. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming. Thanks for stopping by and checking out this episode of the program. If you're a new coming listener, then uh, welcome to the show. If you're a returning listener, then welcome back to the Pipeline Show. As always, we start with the question of the day. It's brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings. Big weekend for the Oil Kings coming up as we're speaking. It is, uh, as I'm recording this right now, it is a Friday morning. Tonight, the Medicine Hat Tigers are in town. Tomorrow, it's the Brandon Wheat Kings, a fan appreciation night on Saturday, as a matter of fact. So if you're in the area and you want to get out and watch some uh, really good hockey from a team that's playing very well and headed to the playoffs, and uh, actually most teams in the Edmonton area are headed to the playoffs. Maybe we can touch on that in a little bit. But the Oil Kings, uh, you go to oilkings.ca, click on the tickets part on the toolbar, and you can get your uh, tickets right there. You can also, I believe the WHL has a uh, tickets thing set up now as well. We can get tickets for any WHL game uh, through the same website. Yeah, it's whl.ca slash tickets. So just another way you can get your uh, tickets to go watch some WHL hockey. It doesn't have to be in the Edmonton area. But the question of the day is brought to you by the Oil Kings. And that question today, I put up on Twitter this morning, and a pretty simple question, just looking ahead to the 2019 NHL draft and uh, so many players expected to be taken from the U.S. National Development Program. Just want to know how many you think will go in the first round of the 2019 NHL draft. Got a couple of uh, responses already. Just pull up the uh, NHL Central Scouting uh, list. And uh, here's the players who, from that team, are ranked in the top 31 in North America. Uh, Jack Hughes, who is uh, ranked number one. Then uh, Alex Turcotte, uh, Matthew Boldy, and Trevor Zegras uh, are ranked 5, 6, and 7. Then you've got Cam York at number 12. Cole Caulfield at uh, 15. And Alex Vlasic at, uh, let's see, that would be 25. So how many is that? One, two, four... Five, six, seven there, and uh, throw Spencer Knight into the mix as the top-ranked goaltender. And you could have upwards of eight guys. Uh, let's see. Jordan has uh, replied with, I can totally see six or seven. Whoever picks up Trevor Zegras is going to be very happy. He's a complete center that I can't wait to see as a pro. That uh, from uh, Jordan Coons, who has uh, been on the show before when he was uh, a broadcaster in the USHL. He's now a broadcaster with the uh, Swamp Rabbits. What a name that is. Mark has put in his vote. He says seven, and he names a Hughes, Boldy, Zegris, Turcott, York, Knight, and Vlasic. So he skips a Cole Caulfield. 
uh, from the Central Scouting, the top 31 in North America. You can share your thoughts on the question of the day by uh, following me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy, and uh, let me know what you think. Let's uh, continue on with the news and notes portion of the show and a couple of teams who are uh, remaining red hot as we speak. Final weekend of the regular season in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. The Brooks Bandits are up to 31 straight victories. That uh, has established a new record overall uh, in the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League for a win streak, also for uh, points in a season. They have 110 points now. So the Brooks Bandits continue to be red, red hot, maybe even white hot. That's how hot Brooks is. Uh, staying with the uh, AJHL for a minute, the Sherwood Park Crusaders have locked up a uh, top spot in the AJHL's uh, North Division. First time in, I believe it's 16 years uh, since the Crusaders have uh, uh, won the regular season uh, title in the uh, North Division. So they're going to get a bye in the first round uh, of the AJHL playoffs and have home ice the, the rest of the way. Unless they happen to uh, run into the Brooks Bandits, who is pretty much the uh, assumption out of uh, the South Division. Meanwhile, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, it's the uh, Rowan Noranda Huskies who, uh, not just the top team in the queue, top team in the entire Canadian Hockey League, and they have rattled off 22 straight victories at the Major Junior Hockey level. That is uh, fantastic. They are three games short of the league record of 25 and have a chance to go for that uh, here in uh, uh, maybe even all of that this weekend. Uh, one of my guests will tell us more about that. The Huskies, though, in action uh, this weekend against uh, Drummondville tonight, Halifax on Saturday. So not an easy schedule there uh, for Ruin Aranda to uh, reach and potentially set a new record for consecutive wins in the queue. In the uh, USHL, sad news uh, for fans of the Central Illinois Flying Aces. The uh, Flying Aces have been grounded for next year as it's been confirmed that uh, they are going to temporarily at least suspend operations for next season and look to how they can get back in action the year after that. It does remind me of uh, the Indiana Ice, who, after winning the Clark Cup, also decided to take a year off, and that's about uh, seven, eight years ago now, have not come back uh, to the league. So hopefully for fans of the uh, Flying Aces and hockey in that central Illinois area, that's not the case uh, here. As uh, never, never like to see a league. Never like to see leagues losing teams, contracting teams. It's every once in a while you'll see uh, a team moving, like we're seeing next season with the WHL's uh, Kootenai Ice moving to Winnipeg. Sometimes that's inevitable, but uh, it's, it's tough to see teams outright uh, folding. We'll see, I guess, in the long run, if that's what happens here with the Flying Aces. In the NCAA, last night, the Massachusetts Minutemen claimed their first ever Hockey East uh, championship. And of note in that game, uh, former Brooks Bandit, Cale McCarr, had three points to lead uh, the Minutemen on to victory. A couple of teams lost their starting netminders here uh, for the stretch drive. Uh, one of them, North Dakota as Adam Scheel went down to injury. Uh, Michael Lackey also uh, done potentially for the year uh, for Harvard. Both of those teams will uh, definitely be hampered without their uh, starting netminders, no question about that. Also worth noting, going into this weekend, Arizona State 
still looking pretty good to uh, get into the NCAA National Tournament. They've got uh, just two games left on their schedule, and that's this weekend against the Minnesota Golden Gophers. But Arizona ranked eighth in the pairwise with no more games after this weekend. Can't really move up or down a whole lot. So sitting in the number eight spot, got to like their uh, chances of getting into the national tournament. What a story that is. For Greg Powers and his program uh, down in Phoenix, or Tempe, Arizona, rather. Should get that right. All right, let's get on to uh, the meat of the show. Four guests you're going to hear from on the program today. We'll start it off with a CHL Insider segment. That will be Patrick McNeil, the uh, longtime voice of the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles. He, he'll be the guest to uh, talk about Roy and Aranda and that amazing streak that they're on right now and whether or not he thinks they can actually uh, surpass that mark. So Patrick McNeil is going to lead off the show. Then we will have a trio three 2019 draft spotlight segment. So we'll start... In the USHL, Igor Afanasyev will be my guest. And uh, I learned a lot in that uh, over the course of that, that interview, uh, including how and how not to uh, say his name. I'm a, I'm a bit of a stickler for uh, making sure that I uh, pronounce the, the players' names correctly. Uh, and I absolutely butcher his name uh, throughout the interview. So it's not my favorite interview, but not because of the guest. Uh, I- Igor was terrific. You'll like that conversation. Then we will go to a pair of WHLers up for the draft this year. One of them first-time eligible. His name is Josh Williams. He plays in my backyard with the Edmonton Oil Kings. And we'll close out the show with a guy who was passed over last year, but I don't think he's going to get passed over this year. He's got 35 goals coming into this weekend's play. His name is Luca Burzan. He is a uh, standout player with the Brandon Wheat Kings. So... Lots to talk about on the show today. We'll start out in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League with Patrick McNeil. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show. And up comes Trankovic. He's got speed. Trankovic breakaway to the backhand. Scores! Max Trankovic is second of the season and it's 2-1. I'm Maxim Trankovic of the St. John Sea Dogs and this is the Pipeline Show. compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Look, guys, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your friend, guy. It's the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and time for a CHL Insider segment brought to you by The Store Next Door. You can find them at uh, thestorenextdoor.ca. What's the store next door? Well, I'll read it right off the uh, website. The store next door gift shop, a local Nova Scotia manufacturer and retail outlet store that focuses on employing people with disabilities and recycling wherever possible. Basically, what they're doing is taking broken hockey sticks and making cool stuff out of it, whether it's uh, park benches or uh, lawn chairs or uh, tables, whatever you want. 
Uh, great for a hockey fan. Check it out. I really recommend it. Go to, again, the store next door.ca, uh, shipping across Canada right now as well. So check it out and see what's uh, a fit for you. My uh, guest today is my CHL insider. We head out all the way to the East Coast, another uh, Nova Scotia tie-in. Patrick McNeil, the voice of the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, is back on the Pipeline Show. Patrick, welcome back. How are you? Very good, Guy. Thanks for having me. Easternmost team in the CHL. There you go. Uh, well, nobody wants to play the uh, Roy Naranda Huskies right now. A 22-win streak uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You were just telling me it's uh, just a few games short of the record. Who holds the record? What's the record? And do you think Roy Naranda breaks it? Well, the record is actually held by the predecessor of the Screaming Eagles franchise, the Sorrel Epivierer, I believe I'm saying that correctly, <laughs> in 1973-74. They had a 25-game winning streak, and the Hull Olympique, or now Gatineau Olympique, of course, had 24 games in 94-95, and Roy Naranda is tied for third with St. John in 29-2010. Interestingly, that St. John team didn't win the President's Cup, although they did win the league title in the regular season. So uh, Rundaranda currently is three off the pace. Uh, it's been quite the run. We were actually there uh, as we record this. It will be last Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Eagles hung around with them, but the tough, to, tough to beat that team and ended up being a 7-5 game in favor of Rwanda. So all eyes are on them. And Interestingly enough, they do have a couple of tough games coming up, so it's going to be they'll be tested to get that record. But in order to get the record, they'll have to beat Drummondville twice and Halifax once. So they're going to be put up to the task. But Huskies, the story of the season thus far in the queue. Well, that really is a, a test to get the record, though. Drummondville, the next closest team to them in the Western Conference, and Halifax in first place in the Eastern Conference. So uh, if they're going to set that or at least match the record and go on to break it, they're going to have to do it uh, by beating some of the top teams in the queue. That's nice. I Actually, I like that. They're being tested. It's not just going to be a cakewalk. For sure. The one thing I want to say, though, they get a bit of a break in that Maxime Comtois has a three-game suspension, so he won't be playing for Drummondville in the first game, but uh, they will see him the second time on the night that they try to break the record. Okay. And what's interesting is the Huskies beat Val Dor 4-1 on Tuesday night this week, and you, you would expect that result, nothing overly surprising, but despite the fact Valdor's 15th in the league, they're the only team to beat Ron Naranda in regulation twice this year. Now that's partially because they play the Huskies 10 times, but it's also one of the cliche, throw the standings out the window, it's a rivalry game type thing. And I know people in Valdor were really hoping they could have got the win this past week to end the streak, but it wasn't to be the Huskies just, to, just too good. And I think uh, Willie Paloff probably said it best earlier when he was on your show. He said they're a team of really good junior players not that they don't have some nhl prospects as well but right. players that in particular excel at the junior level and it's a formula that's definitely working for them right now well that's what i was going to ask you this i was going to put the same question to you is what makes this team so special because they don't really have you know the breakout the the big names that the people recognize across the country outside of noah dobson really um so you kind of feel the same way willie does or does that this is just it's a really really good team of uh capable junior players yeah, for sure. It's a team that comes at you in waves, too. And I think it may seem a bit cliche, but they've done a really good job of building a culture there, too. Mm. At the beginning of the year, the Huskies only had one player on their roster that was drafted or played with another Q team. And it was Ryan McClellan, who was uh, kind of a depth player for the Scream Eagles. Now, obviously, there's a bit of a change there when they made some big moves at the deadline. But even then, they brought in Louis-Philippe Cote from Quebec, and he's a player who started with the Huskies, so he came back home. Noah Dobson has no ties to Ron Naranda, but he's reunited with his old coach, Mario Pouliot. 
So even some of the guys they brought in have either connections to Ren Naranda or connections to the guys that are currently on the team. So I think that's a big part of it, and the homegrown nature was a big part of the 2016 team. I mean, they haven't been completely opposed to making moves in the past, like bringing in Timo Meyer, for example, be one a big one. But the moves they made this year, there's always a concern that you might upset the chemistry a little bit. I know some people think that might have happened with Bacomo a little bit at the trade deadline. But Renaranda, it seems like everything's clicking. Joel Teasdale has been an absolute beast uh, since he came over there. He's another guy who was undrafted but is now signed by the Montreal Canadiens. He's just a bulldozing power forward, and he was uh, really impressive in the game that we saw in against Cape Breton last week. So he, he was a good addition for them. Cote, I mentioned too, and Noah Dobson. Interesting, though, players almost have more value by being associated with the Huskies because I think they had, and you would know this following the league, the CHL National League, the Hockey Canada radar usually you know, puts a lot of stock on players being drafted. But I think the Huskies had three players on the Super Series team this year that weren't NHL drafted, even though their NHL draft dates had passed. Right. Uh, Justin Bergeron on the back end, Raphael Harvey-Panar up front. So they have guys that, that earn some recognition the hard way. Uh, Samuel Harvey was like that, and that's the year before. But he's a 20-year-old now. That's uh, perhaps something that's not being talked about enough with the Huskies is their depth and net because uh, both of their goaltenders have uh, played enough games that they're eligible to appear in you know, top goals against, top save percentage. And uh, Sam Harvey and Zachy Mond are one and two in both save percentage and goals against. Both goals against under two. Uh, Sam Harvey's may have gone over two recently, but very impressive net mining regardless who comes in goal. And tough to beat a team like that. Does that speak more to the strength of the team in front of them or just those are two really, really good goaltenders? I think it's a little bit of both. I'd say the numbers would probably be down a little bit if they went on other teams, but make no mistake, they're both capable goaltenders who would be stars wherever they play. All right. I think that we see that across the, the CHL with various teams. The Everett Silvertips would be that club. Uh, yeah, the everybody thought, uh, you know, once Carter Hart was gone, you know, exactly. that was the end of the goaltending, but uh, they, they have the pipeline there. Yeah, no question. Patrick McNeil, voice of the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, let's go to that conference and – uh, some interesting races uh, down the stretch. Halifax, the top team, have a, a six-point cushion as we're speaking right now on Bay Camo and Ramuski right behind them. But then you got a three-way tie with Cape Breton, Charlottetown, and Moncton all fighting it out. And don't forget, Shikudami is right there with 71 points. How does this all shake out here over the next 10 days or so? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You look at the top teams first. We'll cover those. I know Halifax is hosting the Memorial Cup this year, so expectations are obviously really high there. And when you have a Memorial Cup hosting team, the magnifying glass is out, and maybe fans get a little bit worked up if things aren't perfect. But the big story for Halifax this year has been trying to evade the injury bug. Ostop Safin, who people in Edmonton are very familiar with, of course, has barely played for them this year, and they're optimistic he might be coming back. Maxime Trapagne was one of their acquisitions up front, and he's been in and out of the lineup. He's obviously a key part of their team now in terms of uh, rounding out that offense. On the back end, it's really been a breakout year for Jared McIsaac. Of course, second-round draft pick into the NHL, so you expected him to have a good career, but he certainly has delivered on that. So Halifax, I think, is probably going to be safe at the top of the conference. Bakemo Ramuski is interesting because, if you know the queue, those two teams are sworn rivals. Not a lot of love lost there. Different uh, different cities, different personalities in the cities. Traditionally, Ramuski is the, you know, finesse, uh, white collar, I guess you could say, and Bakemo a bit more of a rugged uh, blue collar. That's both in terms of the cities and the teams that they put on the ice. Mm. And I think this year, Ramuski was the favorite to win the East, at least for my money. 
But Bakemo had taken that early lead, and now they're just kind of trying to hold them off because Ramuski's surging up the stretch. Alexi Lafreniere challenging for the goals, the, the points total, uh, points lead at age 17, which is uh, quite the story. And uh, most interesting there, perhaps, is they finished the season with two games against each other. So uh, that race for the East Division could come right down to the stretch. As for the race for home ice, the fourth spot in the East, uh, not to sound like a homer, but Cape Breton, I think, definitely in the driver's seat just because as we record – the Eagles have five games left against Bathurst and St. John, the two bottom teams in the league, so that should give the Eagles the edge. And, of course, if you follow the queue closely, you'll know last season and a number of years before, the league had a 1-16 through 16 playoff format, and this year they changed to a conference-based format, which is a, a bit of a bone of contention for the teams that don't get home ice in the East because under the old format, you know, Moncton, Charlottetown, Shakutami would be really pushing for home ice advantage, and uh, now some of those teams are going to have to start on the road. So either way, you slice at one or two or even three good teams are going to go out in round one. Uh, you look at Moncton, Shakutami, and Charlottetown quickly. Moncton is a team that had a strong start. They added some uh, secondary 19-year-olds, and those additions haven't really worked out as they planned. So the team is kind of kind of where they were to begin with. Charlottetown got a little bit younger, so I think in a way they're kind of looking at this as gravy. They wanted to make sure their team was still competitive, and they've done that, but maybe expectations not so high. As for Shakutami, still primarily a young team, and they've had some issues with injuries as well. But, of course, top pick in the Q draft, Hendricks Lapierre has uh, gained a lot of attention. He's been good despite the fact he's missed some time. But they're certainly in the, in the mix to pass one or two of those teams. Patrick, I want to go back to the scoring race for a second. You mentioned uh, Alexi Lafreniere is uh, challenging. Uh, I mean, he's tied right now with Joe Valeno uh, for tops in the Q. I had polled my audience at the start of the season who's going to win the scoring race, and it was almost unanimous that Lafreniere was going to do it. But it's taken a while for him to get to the top. I, I know he'd miss a little time with uh, Hockey Canada uh, along the way, but uh, Peter Abadonato was uh, leading the league in scoring, from what I can remember, for much of the season. What's changed? Well, I know it's probably the same in the WHL. I know in the queue a lot of the time it's it's the not-as-sexy names, the 20-year-olds that will win the race yep. just because they're the ones that don't miss any games. Lafreniere, it's tough to say because you don't want to call his start disappointing by any stretch of the imagination because he came in and lit the league up at 16, and he kind of continued to perform at, six, at 17 as he did at 16, which by any metric is great. But you were kind of hoping that he would maybe step it up a notch, and I think that's what's happened now. And also part of that goes back to the team success with Ramuski. Ramuski getting better, and as a result, he's getting better as well. And obviously those things are intertwined to a degree. Uh, Joe Valeno is an interesting one, too. Valeno, to me, strikes me as someone who traditionally has been more of a playmaker, and his goal-scoring goal touch seems to be coming along as he gets further into his Q career. Abandonado is you know your star junior player that you hope gets a look in the pros, and I think he's probably just being caught up by talents that are getting a chance to bridge that gap because they're now appearing in games more consistently, not being pulled away by all the special events and whatnot. Big season in the queue, 50th anniversary for the league. Uh, lots of, uh, I know the outdoor games were uh, pretty well received. Uh, other big stories along the way to help celebrate the league? Yeah, it's been really fun. I think the league's done a good job with it. Uh, every team in the league is wearing a 50th anniversary patch, which is the standard. But this is probably the largest uniform patch I've ever seen. If I guess we're kind of desensitized to it now because we've been looking at it all season. But if someone hasn't seen a Q game, that would probably uh, strike them if they were to see any of the team's uniform. But I think the real anchor of the 50th celebration has been Gilles Corteau, the commissioner of the league, has done something called the Commissioner's Tour. And every one of the 18 cities has at one point 
hosted the commissioner's tour. And what happens is Corto comes in, takes media requests. Any media in the city that wants to talk to him can talk to him. I know recently uh, the Moncton Wildcast, which is an independent uh, podcast covering the Wildcats, some fans that talk about the Cats, and they were able to land an interview with Jill Corto, and they did a fine job, but it was just more of a statement to how accessible he's been. And he's doing this in all 18 cities. Uh, every city sees the President's Cup and the Memorial Cup come to town, so fans get a chance to uh, see the trophies. Uh, in Cape Breton, actually, it's been an interesting year for the Eagles off the ice because the Eagles were sold in the fall uh, to a very wealthy man who has roots to Cape Breton, hadn't lived here in a number of years, but uh, wants to reestablish his ties with the uh, area. And he was actually in town when Corteau was in town. And Erwin Simon, the new Eagles owner, along with Gerard Shaw, the team president, whose son Logan was in the AHL All-Stream, former NHLer. And Gilles Corteau actually had a roundtable discussion oh. out in the lobby. So fans could ask questions, too. So just stuff like that's been really fun for the 50th anniversary. The league put together an all-star team for each of the five decades. And now the league is in the process of unveiling its top 50 players of all time. They uh, unveiled 50 to 41 uh, recently. It's interesting to see the amount of Europeans that are on the list, but that, that's great to see that those players have graced the queue with their talents over the years, and I think it's been a lot of fun for fans. Who would be like your top five? Hey, uh, top five in the QMJHL? Uh, well, I, I haven't seen the list yet, but I mean, I, I would have to think Mario Lemieux is, is going to be number one. He would yeah. certainly be there. Guy Lafleur, I would have to think of be on the, the list. And uh, One that might surprise people if they don't know their history, Dale Howarchuk is the next Q player. Uh, Cornwall was in the queue back in the day, so I right. think uh, he'll be high on the list as well. Tough to be, uh, probably going to be tough to gauge the goaltenders because uh, historically the queue was such a, a ridiculously offensive league that even uh, the Patrick Waz of the world that the goals against averages in the fives, and I don't know what the save percentages would be looking like, but I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the list. I'll be interested to see where Kevin Lowe shows up on the list. Uh, they've got Absolutely. the top defenseman award named after him, right? Yeah, you'd have to think he's going to be in there somewhere high. No kidding. All right. Well, it uh, should be a great uh, stretch drive to the uh, the playoffs in the queue. We'll be uh, watching it from afar. Patrick, is always great to catch up. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on, Guy. Anytime. Patrick McNeil, voice of the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles. He actually had texted or tweeted at uh, Andrew Peard and myself uh, during our uh, recent hockey hooky game. 11 a.m. start, the Oil Kings and the Swift Current Broncos, the Broncos' uh, not a very good team anymore, that's for sure. Defending champs, but uh, shadow of the team they were last year. Not Maybe not even the shadow. The shadow of the shadow. Anyway, the Oil Kings that uh, were winning that game, it was lopsided. Uh, they ended up winning 11-1. At some point during the game, uh, Patrick sends us a message. Because <laughs> I, I don't even... Listen, when you're broadcasting an 11-1 game, it's not a lot of fun, to be honest with you. And you kind of... Uh, the broadcast gets a little loose. We were only on the internet that day as well. It wasn't on TSN 1260. That's a radio station decision. Uh, so it was a it was a pretty what we call a loose broadcast where uh, yeah you might get a little uh, you don't stay as focused on what's happening in the game because quite frankly you don't want to you know harp too much on the fact that one team is uh, really struggling and the other team is uh, just pounding them. Uh, but so somehow the briar came up and uh, that caught the attention or the Scotties actually. The Scotties Curling. Curling, for those of you who aren't Canadian, uh, the Scotties is a tournament to determine the best uh, female curlers in uh, Canada. And that caught the attention of uh, Patrick McNeil. So he was listening to the game from Nova Scotia, which is uh, pretty cool in and of itself. Uh, so we uh, had a little uh, Twitter exchange with uh, Patrick during the Edmonton Oil Kings game. 
Anyway, lots going on in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and uh, Patrick always does a terrific job of uh, summing everything up and really painting the picture of, of what's going on out there. Coming up next, we will turn on the 2019 draft spotlight. Igor Afanasyev is my guest. I may have butchered it again. We'll see. You can hear that segment when we come back. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, this is Brock Besser from the Waterloo Blackhawks. Hey, it's Kyle Connor from the Youngstown Fans. I'm Ms. Gergensen from the View Flying Saints. Hi, it's Ali Paulman from Sioux City Musketeers. Hi, this is Ryan Patolny, former player with the Lincoln Stars. This is Cooper Marodi from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Blake McLaughlin from the Chicago Steel. Hey, this is Sam Gagne, formerly the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm. Hi, this is Tom Gilbert, former Chicago Steel player. Jack Curry from the Waterloo Blackhawks. It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. There's no time for mistakes, cause it's slipping away. Even though it might be easier, I won't give in now. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to turn on the 2019 Draft Spotlight segment uh, as my next guest is NHL Draft eligible this year. My guest is Yegor Afanasyev of the Muskegon Lumberjacks. So welcome to the Pipeline Show, Yegor. How are you? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Doing great. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. No problem at all. Uh, you guys are having a really, really good year. Uh, first place in your division. You're having a strong season uh, on your own as an individual player. You got to be pretty happy right now. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, we have a uh, like we have a special group of guys right now playing. We have a new coach, Mike Hamilton. You know, everything is looking good. We have 14 games left. We we got to finish strong. This is your second year in the USHL, but your first year. 14 points as a rookie. You're already over 50 this year. What's been the biggest uh, reason for that that big jump forward in your uh, in your numbers? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm just. I was uh, in the summer. I was working really hard. Uh, two months, uh, working out like five times per week. You know, skating with uh, working on my speed, working on my shot, all that good stuff. So I mean, it's nice that it's paying off. You know. Uh, have your line mates been the same couple of guys all season long, or has that changed a lot? Uh, no, you know, our coach, Mike Hamilton, he's trying to switch it up a little bit uh, like before the playoffs because some guys could be injured, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's tough when you're playing with the same guys and bump someone is injured, someone is out. And some guys, you know, some guys can't play with, uh, with, with different guys. So he just gave us, like, kind of experience to try to play with different guys you know, because you go and you, you come into college, you come into other leagues, and you don't know who you're going to play with, right? Sure. Every day it might switch. So, yeah. So he, he gave us that chance because in playoffs, nobody knows who's going to be injured, who's not. 
Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. So right now, are you yeah. playing? Uh, do you play mostly with uh, a couple of guys, or does it continually change? Ah, uh, yeah. To to the end of the year, I'd kind of like uh, four games in a row. I'd say I played with Max Ellis and Michael Heckerinen. Okay. Yeah, last two games, uh, we won all the games, so nice. it's been pretty good. Well, and I imagine uh, having played in the league last year, getting ready for this year, you knew what to expect. You've been to all the other rinks, and the, the you know what the road, the bus travel is like. Were you just more comfortable this year than last year, having gone through it once? Yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, I got more confidence uh, being a veteran now in the team. You know, I know pretty much all my teammates from last year. We got, like, we got really close together. And uh, definitely, like I told you, I've been working a lot in some. So yeah, that's that's probably results. Jaeger Afanasyev is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. It's our 2019 draft spotlight segment. Uh, Jaeger, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience kind of get to know somebody that's draft eligible, like you are this year. And not everybody that's hearing mm-hmm. this will get to watch the USHL play or see the Lumberjacks, or might not have even have heard of you. So let's get a, a bit of information and, and some background, if you don't mind. Um, you're Russian. Where are yeah. you from in Russia? So I'm from Moscow. Right in from Moscow? Because the sheet I'm looking at says yeah, it's yeah. from a town uh, but a, a little bit outside of Moscow. Yeah, I, I was born in a small city called Tver. Right. But when we was four, uh, we moved with the with my parents. We moved to Moscow to play hockey. And that was yeah. to play hockey? So you've been playing hockey since you were a little kid? Yeah, yeah, definitely. How old were you when you first started? Do you remember? Uh, I was, yeah, I'd say I was three. You know, I just started Walking, walking on the ice, not not really skating, right? First time, right? Yeah, and uh, like I said, two years probably around that. And when I was five, we moved to Moscow. Uh, who got you excited about playing hockey? Like, who who did you look up to that uh, that you wanted to be like uh, to play hockey? Uh, definitely Ilya Kovalchuk. He's uh, ah. I, I the reason why I'm playing right now, like why I started playing, it, it was because of him. Because he came from, he was playing on that time. He was playing in Atlanta Trashers. Yeah. Or how you say it, right? Did I say it right? Uh, it's Thrashers, but Trashers isn't a bad uh, yeah. name for them because they were terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I realized. Yeah, it wasn't. yeah. And so he's from the same hometown. And uh, when I was like about that age, right. he he was playing in Atlanta, and he came in to show like master class. And my dad brought me there, and I really liked it. And I like I asked him if if I can try it out, and that's how it's all started. Uh, now, I'm in Canada, and I know a lot of the, the kids that I talk to or players that I talk to say that when they were kids, like small kids, uh, they would often have to play other positions. You're a forward now, but I wonder when you were five or six, did you ever uh, play defense, or did your team ever yeah. uh, have – did you ever play in net, you know, when you were five or six? Yeah, you know, I always always want to be a, a goalie maybe. Really? Because I really like – because goalies the only one and like – one two goalies in the team you know right but uh at the time you know all the gear was pretty expensive so we just we just stick with the forward and i get a chance to play defense for sure because when you're younger you're getting a chance to play pretty much everything right so. being a forward instead of a goaltender seems to be working out pretty well for you <laughs> yeah definitely right now <laughs> i just i like to score goals you know help my team win Yes, no question. Uh, Jaeger Af- Afanasyev uh, is my guest. I-, I-, I stumbled on your name there, and I wonder how often you hear uh, people over here having uh, a hard time saying your last name. And I wasn't sure exactly how it was pronounced, if it was uh, Afanasyev or uh, uh, a different way. What's the What's the worst way yeah. you've he- you've heard people say your name? 
Oh my gosh! Yeah, the most of the time, the most of the time, they say like like just like you, Afanasiev. Yeah. But actually, it's Afanasiev. It's a tough name, so yeah, I give you that. And uh, my name is yeah, Igor. So Igor Afanasiev. Oh, so you you don't pronounce as Yegor. We have a couple Russian players up here with the same first name, but they say Yegor, not Igor. It's interesting. It's yeah, just, uh, it's, the differences. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit different. Yeah. All right, so it's Igor. All right, well, uh, thank you yeah, for correcting yeah, yeah. me on that. Yeah, um, easier easier for you too, you know. That, that's right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, tell me about. You've been in North America now for three years. Uh, why did you come over? Um, what three years ago now? Uh, was that also for hockey reasons, or was that family reasons? Uh, what led you to North America? I mean, uh, I played for uh, Red Army CSK in uh, in Russia, and uh, when I was fifteen, we just we just saw an opportunity to play here. Uh, we like under Brian Rolston and Little Caesars. Mm-hmm. He's like uh, my advisor told me, "Hey, there's Igor. There's opportunity you can play in uh, in North America. How do you look at that?" And we were like, "Yeah, sure, we're gonna try it." And I came for tryouts for Little Caesars under Brian Rolston. He really liked me, so I started playing here. And when I was 15, we we kind of moved here. Uh, now you also you had an option you could you could play in the USHL as you have been and and on to college you could have played in uh, in uh, the Canadian Hockey League as well. Uh, why did you choose the USHL? Uh you know, like I really like uh, studying. Like I like school in total. So okay, the 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 two way path. You know, I I really like it, and just to see more like of American culture. You know, learning language. Well, and you're sticking you're sticking in Michigan as well, uh, not just with Little Caesars, but now with the Muskegon Lumberjacks, and and eventually, uh, Michigan State uh, is your college of choice. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, tell me how you go from Little Caesars to Muskegon, and and what that uh, that transition has been like. Oh, you know, uh, it was it was pretty crazy because I was underage last year, and uh, not a lot of guys playing underage right. in UCHL, especially. So yeah, I mean, you know. It's, Definitely it was a good experience for me to play against and compete against older guys, but the first time was really tough. You know, my speed wasn't, wasn't that good and, uh, like I had a lot of stuff to improve on. So I was kind of like playing not a lot of ice time, but like I said, it's a good experience and you know. Well, uh, the sheet I'm looking at says uh, you're six foot three, maybe a little over six three and, and, uh, about 200 pounds. Are those numbers correct still? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, so you've been, you're, uh, a, a big guy. Have you always been one of the, the bigger kids in, uh, at your age level? Uh, yeah, no doubt. That was, I was pretty big at, in my age, you know, for my age. Uh, so it's not like you had a, a late birth, a growth spurt or something. And when you, when you were, uh, 14, no, not, you didn't not grow really. two feet now. Okay. For those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play, all we can do is look at the stats and see 23 goals and 53 assists in 45 games so far. So we get a sense you're an offensive guy. Can you give us a bit of a scouting report yeah. on on you from your perspective? How, what kind of a player do you think you are? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm a definitely like you said, I'm a big forward uh, who likes to shoot a little lot. I have a really good shot, and uh, at the same time, you know, I like to bring uh, defense like on myself hmm. and try to give 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 more goals to to my partners, you know, because uh, it's all a game about like. You gotta like think on the ice, you know. I think I have a pretty good IQ, so. Sure. When you're that big, Igor, uh, do you play a physical game? Are you, uh, is there lots of, uh, checking? Are you a body contact guy or do you just kind of use your size to your advantage? You'd be a hard guy to knock off the puck. Yes, yes, yes. No, definitely like, 
like I, I like to body check kids, you know, and uh, the same the same thing. Like when I'm going like offense, mm-hmm. for example, for sure it's uh it's to my advantage. It's like I have a big body, I can put my body and protect my protect the puck, you know. Right. But yeah, it's defense and offense taking some advantage. Well, we mentioned uh, Michigan State uh, being your your college of choice. You've committed to them. Uh, I wonder why uh, being a Spartan was important to you. And I mentioned it's it's in Michigan. There's a lot of Division One schools in Michigan, so you could have went other places in the state as well. Why was uh, Michigan State the right fit for you? Yeah, actually, I'm not with Michigan State anymore. Oh, I, I thought you maybe you, I thought you knew that. Yeah, no, I did not. Breaking news for me. Where what's uh, what's happening now? Yeah, so right now, I, well, like I'm just being uh focused on on the rest of the season 100 percent and uh we're gonna see what hopefully the nhl team which is gonna draft me what they're gonna say okay Be- yeah because my number one goal is to play in- to play there of course all right so you have a decommitted from michigan state yeah that's correct okay uh well that opens up the the next question then i know your uh rights in the ontario hockey league were traded from ottawa to the windsor spitfires is the OHL next year then a, an option for you that you're considering again, depending on what happens with the NHL team that uh, that you talk with? Yeah, definitely. Like like I said, my my, my options are open right now, so we're we're just gonna wait. You could be uh, Andrei Svechnikov, play Muskegon this year, and uh, and go to the OHL for a year, and then on to the NHL. Yeah, that's. I mean, that would be nice, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you have Andrei season too. Yeah. Well, you've got almost actually. You guys are pretty similar in points right now. Well, with his year that he yeah. was uh, in Muskegon, right? He had 58 points. Yeah, actually, I, I, I checked it actually already. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> so is that your target? You just want to beat what he what he had? Uh, no, there's no target, you know, because <laughs> we have, like, such a special team right now. And, uh, I get the chance to be first in, the, in our division. Yeah. So, like, I'm scoring for the team right now, you know. And uh, if I'm going to get 60 points, I'm going to get 60. If I'm going to get 90, it's better, you know. But... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, t- tell me about the NHL draft and, and how much you're thinking about that. Uh, I know it's, it's uh, it seems to be a, a long ways away, but it's uh, June's going to get here right before we know it. Um, how much time do you spend thinking about the draft? Uh, you know, like it's it's fun definitely to think about it, but I'm not. I'm trying to not to. I'm just trying to do like my job and uh, hard hard uh, like work hard as much as I can. Right. You know, because it's it's not really like it's not really up to me to draft. I'm just trying to do what 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 I can do. You know, right? Control what you can control, and that's not something. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, well, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's got to be hard not to think about it though when Central Scouting comes out and they list you 19th in North America, and you're playing in the USHL top prospect game, and lots of scouts, I'm sure, following you guys uh, all the time. So you can never really get away from it, though, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But like, still, like I said, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to not to because it's a little distraction. Sure. I think. Well, and then you get guys like me calling and wanting to talk to you about it too. So. <laughs> no, can't... that's a, that's a fun stuff. That's a that's a fun stuff. All right. Come on. Uh, I wonder. Uh, all this time in Michigan, have you become a Detroit Red Wings fan, or now that uh, Kovalchuk is in L.A., are you a Kings fan? Yeah, you're you're right. I, I'm more like Kings fan, but uh, I respect Detroit a lot. They have a lot of young, good guys, you know. Like I saw Zadina playing his second game. Yeah. Starting to starting to play for Red Wings too. No, actually, team with a great history, you know. Yeah. Well, great stuff, uh, Igor. I appreciate yeah. your time today. Uh, I wish certainly wish you the best of luck. 
uh, the rest of this season and at the draft and wherever you're playing next year. Uh, I hope we can uh, chat again one day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, can't wait to chat with you more. There's Igor Afanasyev. And uh, there was lots that I learned in th- in that conversation over the course of that conversation. I had not seen the uh, the news that he had departed ways with uh, Michigan State, that he had decommitted uh, from Michigan State. Of course, when Michael DiPietro was uh, traded by the Ottawa 67s to the Windsor Spitfires, that signaled a lot of people. And they, I heard the names and people saying, well, that means he's going to uh, uh, leave Muskegon and, and leave the USHL and he's going to jump uh, to the Windsor Spitfires. It didn't happen, uh, but that also leaves the door open to, well, maybe it happens uh, for next season. But until uh, two weeks ago, uh, he was still going to Michigan State. So uh, that news got by me. So I was glad that uh, uh, he explained what the situation was. And, uh, you know, we actually chatted a little bit, full disclosure, we chatted a little bit after the conversation that we recorded. And that's where I, I put back into the uh, the interview the parts where he's talking about Andrei Svechnikov because I, I brought up the comparison uh, and it fit really well. And so I put that back into the uh, the main interview there that you heard. But he has uh, different options. He could play. He he could play in the OHL next year with Windsor. He could potentially, I suppose. You, you're not going to put it past him. Maybe he steps into the NHL. He could also play in the American Hockey League if he gets drafted out of the USHL. So the the NHL team that uh, selects him. We'll definitely have options, uh, so we will have to see where and how it all unfolds for Igor Afanasyev. That is a hard name for me to say. I don't know why I'm I'm butchering it that badly. I went to uh, EliteProspects.com, and uh, they have a pronunciation uh, guide for a lot of uh, players, and for for a broadcaster, it actually comes in uh, quite handy. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't actually fit for this particular player because, well... Take a listen. Here's how it's pronounced according to Elite Prospects. Igor Afanasyev. And now you see uh, how it's uh, different. First off, he says it's Igor, and he said that pretty forcefully. It's Igor, not Yegor, which, again, is different than there are other uh, players uh, that I know who have the same first name, but it is pronounced Yegor. Like Yegor Zamula, who plays for the Calgary Hitmen, uh, Philadelphia Flyers prospect, uh, for example. Whatever. I I mentioned it earlier in the show. I'm, I'm kind of a stickler for I want to make sure I'm saying the, the names of the players correctly. And so I actually feel pretty bad that for whatever reason, I cannot get my uh, my brain around Igor Afanasyev. Anyway, I'm sure I'll get used to it uh, down the, the in the long run. Next up on the Pipeline Show, another 2019 draft spotlight. This time we're going to the Edmonton Oil Kings of the Western Hockey League. My guest is Josh Williams. Learn more about Josh next here on the Pipeline Show. Hi, this is Curtis Lazar of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Hey, it's Brett Pollock. I'm Keegan Wolf. Hey, it's Tristan Jari. Hi, this is uh, Lauren Bressois. Griffin Reinhardt. This is Aaron Irving. Hey, it's Dyson Mayo. This is Henrik Simonson. I'm Thomas Winsler. Hey, I'm Mark Pesek of the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Your 
Edmonton Oil Kings fight for playoff positioning as they face the Medicine Hat Tigers at Rogers Place Friday night at 7. Then this Saturday, it's Fan Appreciation Night presented by Dodge. A salute to the best fans with tons of exclusive prizes to be won. Edmonton faces the Brandon Wheat Kings. Plus, everyone in attendance has the chance to scratch and win one of a thousand Matthew Robertson bobbleheads. Fan Appreciation Night presented by Dodge. Saturday night at 7. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at Oil Kings. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We know each other. He's a friend from work. We're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and uh, we're going to turn on the 2019 draft spotlight once again, and it's also a In the Dub segment, as my guest is from the WHL. WHR In the Dub is brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. If you uh, want to stay up to date on everything happening across the Western Hockey League, that uh, is where you should probably make your first stop is uh, dubnetwork.ca. My guest today uh, is Josh Williams of the Edmonton Oil Kings, a player I get to see on a, a very regular basis. Uh, Josh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are things? They're good. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, coming off a uh, rather lopsided victory against the Swift Current Broncos, the team's playing really well, the playoffs right around the corner, uh, and you're having a good season. Uh, how do you feel about things uh, right now? Yeah, our team's sitting on a, on a high note right now, I think, with a tight division though and a couple games left in the regular season and get to treat the rest of the games we have like playoff games and hopefully make a great push to win our division with how tight the central division is it's it's like every night is almost a, a has playoff implications you see teams going up and down the standings uh, within the division you, at this point nobody has any idea who's playing who uh, in the first round that's got to be exciting uh, it's certainly exciting from broadcasters perspective and for the fans i'm sure for the players, are you guys excited about that too? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it gives you sort of a playoff-type atmosphere even before you get to the playoffs. So I think right. it'll help our team in the long run and sort of get us used to playoff hockey, and it's always fun playing in those meaningful, tight division games. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, and another one uh, coming up here right away. As we're speaking right now, you guys are getting ready for the Medicine Hat Tigers to come to town. That's your former team. Do you get up for those games? This will be, what, the third time you've played against the Tigers uh, are those special games for you? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you spend so much time with those guys in the other dressing room. Now you have a sort of chance to compete and play against them. You know, it's always fun. You sort of have a little bit of rivalries with guys, and there's always exciting games to get up for, for sure. Uh, well, we'll get to the trade uh, in a little bit as well. Um, just tell me about this season for you on a personal basis, and you compare it to the last year for you. I mean, you had 20 points in 47 games uh, last year uh, with the Tigers. Uh, this year up to 31, uh, spread across a few, uh, slightly few more games. Uh, how have you felt about uh, the way you've played here in general over the course of this season? Yeah, I think I've had some some good stretches this year and some not-so-good stretches. I think I've been sort of up and down this year. Hmm. But I think during my good stretches, I've been playing some good hockey. I've sort of played up to my potential. I think I've just got to work on being a little bit more consistent for the rest of this year and playoffs and then hope, and for next year. And consistency, I think, at your age is something a lot of guys deal with. Uh, I don't know what the key to the success is uh, for uh, uh, finding consistency, but, boy, if uh, anybody knew you could bottle it and sell it and become rich uh, going that way. But um, consistency really just something a lot of guys go through at this at this age, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. You know, still 17 years old, still a pretty young guy. So I've yeah. got, got a lot to learn. i got a long journey ahead of me. So it's hopefully one thing I can, I can learn from and uh, be better be a better player because of it. Josh Williams of the Edmonton Oil Kings, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, for uh, my audience who uh, might not know you, uh, Josh, we're going to start at the beginning and, and get some background. Uh, where are you from? 
Uh, Langley, BC. Okay. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? I was five. All right. So that's, I mean, still relatively young. Some guys I talk to say three or four, and some guys it's like seven or eight. So pretty much an average uh, start there. Have you always been a forward? I played uh, one year defense, and I didn't really play defense, so I decided to go back to forward. <laughs> That's funny. You play defense, but not really. You're always jumping yeah. up into the play anyway? Yeah, definitely a few times got caught in the wrong wrong spot, cheating offensively for sure. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to a lot of players who say they they had to take their turn uh, playing a net, whether it was you know uh, novice or squirts or whatever. Yeah. Did you have that experience too? Yeah, I, I played one game in net. I think I had... 10 shots saying letting let in five and the other five went off my head so <laughs> hey. i don't think i've made a, a real save in my career so so you knew pretty early on that uh, goaltending not might not be the spot for you yeah i think mean, i was i was bored like the puck was the puck's not in your end you just stand there and i got pretty bored yeah well that's that's true uh, all right uh, josh take me back to uh, the bantam draft and and what that day was like for you uh, fifth overall uh, pick to the Medicine Hat Tigers in 2016. Uh, guys I talked to say, uh, for most most guys it was either I got to stay home from school and and uh, you know watched it that way, or other guys I went to school and it was following along on my phone or whatever. What was draft day like for you? Yeah, uh, I stayed home the morning until I got drafted, and then after I went to school. Mm-hmm. So just sort of uh, having that moment with my family it was pretty cool. Uh, all the time and money they put into my hockey, you know, it was pretty pretty awesome to share that moment with my family. And then just going to school after to see all your friends, and then going to Yale, we had a lot of guys from my team drafted. So seeing all those guys get drafted as well, it was, it was pretty cool. Did you uh, have a, a feeling that you would go? I mean, you didn't have to wait that er- that long to hear your name, fifth overall. Did you expect to to uh, be taken that early? Yeah, I mean, with a with a draft, uh, anything can happen. But then I sort of had pretty good implications that I was going to go somewhere around somewhere around where I was taken. So I wasn't too surprised, I guess, to see me being called there. And uh, it was Medicine Hat that drafted you. Uh, any particular feeling when you heard that it was the Tigers that, that chose you? I mean, it uh, could have been somebody closer to you. There are teams certainly closer to Langley, and the Vancouver Giants are basically playing in Langley now. Um, but uh, leaving the province in at that young age, um, how did that make you feel at the time? Yeah, I, I was excited. You know, ever since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to play in the Western Hockey League, no matter where it was. So, yeah, it was definitely a lot of excitement, and I was willing really to play anywhere. Well, and you got the the four games before your rookie season where you got to play as a Tiger. How important was those that uh, small taste of the Western Hockey League to get you ready for what was your first full year? Yeah, I definitely think it was important. You know, you sort of get a taste of what the league's like and how fast and skilled the guys were. So you sort of knew what you had to work on and what you had to do in the summer to get ready for your 16-year-old year. Uh, and uh, your rookie season uh, as a Tiger, when you look back at that, what stands out to you as a memory? Probably the adversity I went through, you know, getting hurt probably 15 games into the year and missing the 25 games that I missed. You know, it was tough coming back, especially at 16. So I think just learning from that, and I, I think it's going to make me a better player down the road. From a development uh, standpoint, how, how does that affect you? I mean, that's that's a big chunk of time to miss in a season. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, your 16 year old year is a big development for you, development year for you. It's a, it's a big step. So I think rehabbing from my injury, you know, there are long days, you know, you want to be out, out in the ice helping your team win, but you're, you're in the gym rehabbing. So yeah, it definitely took a toll on me mentally, but I think it made me stronger. So 
Josh Williams of the Oil Kings, my guest here on the Pipeline Show uh, in the 2019 Draft Spotlight segment. Um, this is a big year, obviously, your NHL draft season. And it's for you, it started way back in August, getting to play in the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, with Team Canada. Uh, making that team, getting invited to the camp, first off, must have been a thrill. Making that team, uh, I imagine, was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely, you know. It's been a dream of mine, like every Canadian kid, you know, play for your country on the world stage. So making that team was definitely probably the biggest highlight in my career so far. Well, five goals in the in the five games in that tournament uh, and certainly made an impression on everybody that was uh, watching the games here in Edmonton. Your role for uh, for that squad basically put the puck in the net. I mean, there were so many talented players on the squad, uh, but it seemed like uh, being the shooter, the trigger man was uh, – part of your job description that uh, that week yeah that's, i think that's my game i think i'm put on any team to put the puck in the net and create offense and playing with such skilled guys like you do on the national team i think you're getting pucks in good spots and all you got to really do is put the puck in the net for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play how would you describe yourself i, I mean you can look at a, a stat sheet and see the 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 point production and you're listed at 6-1 and what about 185 190 pounds something like that but that doesn't necessarily give you anybody a an overall uh, picture of what you're like as a player. So can you give us a bit of a scouting report on yourself? Yeah, I'm an offensive-minded forward. Uh, I like to create offense either by passing or shooting. I think I have a, a pretty good shot. I'm able to put the puck in the net. And, yeah, I like to create offense as much as I can. Six one, about actually about 190, 190, 195 pounds now? I'd say like 188. Okay, 188. Uh, Josh Williams, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Let's get to the uh, the trade, uh, and I'm sure it was nobody uh, expects to be traded uh, for you um, when you were told. Uh, what, what did that uh, feel like? Yeah, it's definitely a strange feeling being traded. But when when they told me Edmonton was the spot, I was super excited. You know, it's not every day you get to play for like a premier organization, in the Western Hockey League, and call Rogers uh, Rogers your home. So. I was definitely excited to come to Edmonton. Did you know any of the uh, the, the Oil Kings before you got here? Yeah, I knew a, a few guys, like William Keeler, just from playing against them growing up all the time, and then Jack and Alexander, both from BC, and I played against him a lot, and then Matthew Robertson, just from all the Team Canada stuff and also playing against him. Right. A lot of draft-eligible guys on the team uh, this year, uh, including, uh, well, most of the guys that you just mentioned as well. Too bad Jackson's been out for uh, basically the entire season. But, uh, yeah, a lot of guys. Do you guys talk about the draft much? Yeah, I think we sort of try and keep it on the back burner. I think we're a good team this year. I think it was, the success will definitely help us in the draft. But I think we're focused on our playoff race right now and trying to win our division, the most important thing. Now, when you first joined the All Kings, it was a bit of a whirlwind for you because uh, you had a lot of travel back and forth but uh, around. I know you had a, a death in the family, and I, I'm sorry to bring that up. But it seemed like it was a pretty hectic uh, two or three weeks. You also had the top prospect game in there as well. Have things started to settle down a little bit for you? Yeah, they started to settle down. Like my first month here was a lot of flying around. It was definitely really hectic. But I think the last month or so, I sort of settled down and got into a routine, which is which is really nice. Well, that's good. Um, as the playoffs get closer and closer, uh, what's sort of the focus uh, for the team right now? I mean, we talked about the confidence level of this club. Your record against the Central Division is ridiculously good. Um, but you can't take a night off, right? I mean, you got the Lethbridge Hurricanes hotter in your heels and, and just, uh, how close the standings are in, in the, in the Central Division at all. Um, you have to stay razor sharp focused. Yeah, definitely. I think right now the Central is probably one of the, hot, the hottest divisions in the league. I think all the teams are playing well right now. 
so yeah, we can't really take any nights off and we're gonna take it a game at a time and hopefully have a good stretch here and clinch that division. Josh, who was your team growing up? Uh, in the Western League? Yeah, no, well, either. If you, if you grew up watching the WHL and you had a favorite team, that'd be great. But if there was an NHL team that you cheered for it as well, I know you're close to Vancouver, but don't want to assume you're a Canucks guy. Uh, in the NHL, I cheer. People might say it's a bandwagon, but I've liked them for a long time, which is Tampa Bay. Okay, great. Why Tampa Bay? Uh, Steven Samkos. He's always been my favorite player ever since he's been drafted and Okay. I've always loved watching him. Nice. Uh, and was there a WHL team that you uh, grew up watching? Well, just being so close to Vancouver, I'd always go watch Giants games. So I grew up, I guess, a fan of them. Yeah, Chil- Chilliwack Chiefs were there for a bit before they moved to Victoria. So I've seen a few of those games, in, but mostly Vancouver. Yeah. Well, Josh, I listen, I appreciate your time. Uh, wish you the best of luck the rest of this season. Uh, we'll see you at the rink. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's Josh Williams of the Edmonton Oil Kings, formerly of the Medicine Hat Tigers. And it was a real whirlwind when he first was acquired uh, right after the deadline. Uh, there was a lot of travel for the Oil Kings, and they had crazy travel. Like, you'd go to Medicine Hat and then to Kootenai and then go back to Medicine Hat. Something It was weird right around that time uh, for the team. And uh, then, unfortunately, his grandfather passed away, and obviously he went to, to go uh, for the funeral for that and then uh, tried to rejoin the team in inclement weather. Uh, made it so that he couldn't fly into Medicine Hat, but the plane was on its way, then had to circle back to Calgary and then uh, land and then drive to Medicine Hat, made it in there in time for the game, played that night, and uh, then shortly thereafter was the CHL Top Prospect game. So it was a real hectic schedule for him and obviously some uh, uh, off-ice issues to deal with as well. Um, So I I think it's fair to say it, it, uh, it took him a little bit to get acclimated to his new team, but completely understandable when you know all the details. And since then, he's actually played pretty well. As he mentioned, some inconsistencies, and I think everybody goes through that at that age. But one thing I noticed is uh, he's really strong. And when he shoots the puck, there is a lot of firepower behind the shot, even if it's a you know a wrist shot or a snapshot. It doesn't always have to be a big clapper. Uh, but when Josh Williams shoots the puck, he's uh, shooting it with the intention of putting it through the net. And uh, scoring the goal, um, and that's something to um, to to respect for sure. We'll see where he goes in the draft, and especially uh, I think what happens in the playoffs uh, for the Oil Kings and for him specifically uh, could uh, really factor into uh, what happens for him at the draft. One more segment to go on the Pipeline Show. Another 2019 draft spotlight. We might even call this a 2018 slash 19 draft spotlight, as it's a player who didn't get taken last year. I was surprised by it, but I don't think there's any chance he goes undrafted this year. He's already got 35 goals. His name is Luca Burzan of the Brandon Wee Kings. Get to know Luca next here on the Pipeline Show. Left wing, the drop pass. Kendry into the offensive zone. Top into the net in front for Madsen. What a save by Dustin Wolf. He stretched out with the glove. Makes the save and covers. Oh my! 837 to go in the second! Hey, it's Dustin Wolf with the Ever Sober Tips, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Tell me his name again. With Guy Flaming. Who? 
We're back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. Another In the Dub segment coming up for our friends at dubnetwork.ca. Staying on top of everything uh, happening in the Western Hockey League as the playoffs right around the corner. Some pretty heated chases uh, to get to the postseason. Lots to be decided. Only got a couple of weeks left in the regular season. Stay up to date at dubnetwork.ca. And my uh, next guest is in is a part of one of those teams that is in a heated race to get to the playoffs. Luca Burzan of the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. Luca, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, uh, but I'm not in a uh, pressure cooker right now. As you guys, it seems like uh, depending what day of the week it is, one day you're in the playoff picture, the next day you're on the outside looking in. As you and I are speaking right now, that's the situation. Red Deer winning last night bumps you guys down to, to ninth, but certainly still right in the mix to get into the playoffs. What's the mood of the team like right now? Um, yeah, obviously, uh, we're in a tight race right now, but I think, uh, the way we've been playing lately, we've been playing pretty confident and everyone's been, you know, playing the role. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we won like, uh, we won like a uh, six game winning streak, uh, obviously losing the PA last game, but I think, uh, that was just due to playing a lot of games and a uh, little uh, amount of time. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, we've been buying into the system and, I think uh, everyone, you know, is going to try to do their best here, and I think, uh, you know, just play their role. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we are, we're on a road trip right now, uh, six games, I believe so. Or um, I think uh, this is going to be huge for us. We come out of this road trip and uh, get a lot of points here. I think uh, it's going to push us and uh, give us some confidence heading into the playoffs. Yeah, six-game uh, trip that you're on right now, and uh, as again, as we're speaking, you're about to go into Calgary, but you're in Calgary now, but uh, you play the Hitmen, and then you're up here in Edmonton to take on the Oil Kings. This six-game road trip happens to be all against the Central Division. All of those teams are the teams you're fighting with to get into the playoffs, so uh, you really can't under underestimate uh, or understate how important this trip is for the, for the Wheat Kings. Yeah, obviously, you know, uh, playing every team in the Central Division is going to be a bit of a longer road trip but I think uh you know we've I think we could uh you know pull it off and um obviously some sometimes you're gonna go through adversity and guys are gonna be tired but I think that's just the way it goes um you know playing a team like Calgary tomorrow to start off the road trip uh obviously a team we're chasing and we're right there with it's gonna be a pretty important game and uh, I think uh all the guys are you know ready to go and uh ready to make a push you mentioned uh, the the loss against P- Prince Albert. It's not that long ago you just beat them twice as well. That's got to be a big confidence booster for the team. Yeah, um, I think you know anytime you beat a top uh, top team like that in the league, it definitely gives you some confidence. You know we had a home and home with them uh, last week, and to get those uh, points were were huge for our team, and uh, I think that helped us. Uh, you know, like I said, gain some confidence, and it just shows that you know. When we show up to play, we can play against any team in this league. Well, and you, you mentioned the the winning streak that you were on recently. It's, it's sometimes it can be a pretty fine line, can't it, between winning and losing a game? Where one night you you play really well, just might not go for you, and the next night you might not play as well you did the night before, but you come away with the victory. When you guys win and when you lose, how big of a difference is it? Can you really uh, tell uh, uh, when you look at things uh, when you go back and look at the game what you did differently? Yeah, I think when we were on that uh, winning streak there, I think uh, you know everybody was playing their role. I think we were just playing simple and not trying to you know make things difficult or you know I think we were just getting pucks deep. Uh, you know our penalty, our special teams was, uh, were really good uh, as well. I think 
know, when we lose, I think we try to, you know, do too much or we get away from our game. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I think we just play simple here. And obviously, you know, we're on this road trip. Uh, you know, we're, we're on a long road trip here and it's an important one. So if we just try to keep things simple, I think it's going to help our energy and, uh, help, help our game as well. Luca Burzan of the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings, my guest. Uh, Luca, uh, tell me about this season for you. It's a, uh, uh, you know, a first one, first full year with the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, third season in the Western Hockey League. Uh, how has this year been uh, compared to the last couple for you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this year has been uh, really good for myself personally. Um, you know, obviously last year uh, didn't, get, didn't get drafted, but I want to go into this year just, you know, a little bit of fire in my belly and uh, just trying to prove people wrong and uh, show that, you know, I could be, uh, one of the best players in the league and um I've been trying to improve every day and uh you know obviously playing with uh Cole Reinhardt and Stelio Maceos helps a lot. Those are two great players and uh I think this year we've uh been really good together and you know we're trying to help this team get in the playoffs as much as we can and uh, produce and I think we've been doing that lately. You had fourteen goals in your rookie season. Last year you came in and finished the year with 15 now split between Moose Jaw and Brandon at that time. Uh, how would, when you look back at last year, were you disappointed with the season or how did you think it went for you? Um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed, but, uh, you know, obviously in Moose Jaw, we had a really good team and, yeah. uh, it's kind of hard to, you know, get that ice time or get that confidence built up. Uh, I think when I got traded and I was put into a, you know, bigger role, uh, with the weekends, I think my confidence definitely went up and I got, I think I developed more and, started to play a lot more and uh this year you know i'm in a big role as well um i'm playing with uh, maceos and reinhardt as well and uh, playing first power play so i think uh you know that definitely helps the confidence and i think i'm just this year i just went one in and just wanted to play my game and not uh, overthink things as well well so i when i'm going to go back to the trade for a second when the trade happens are you happy about it because it's your draft year you want to get noticed uh, and as you mentioned, you were kind of playing down the depth chart in Musha because it was a team that was loaded up and, and, and looking to go on a run. So kind of a mixed bag. You want to be on a contending team and win a championship, but you also want to get noticed in your draft year. So when you got uh, told you were traded, were you uh, sort of uh, mixed emotions or how did you feel about it? Yeah, I think uh, I think I had mixed emotions. You know, I wanted to stay on that team. Obviously, you had a good team and it was, uh, you know, championship caliber team but i think uh getting traded was was good for me i think it definitely helped my game and uh you know i, I love playing for the brandon Wheat kings uh, it's a first class organization and uh you know i i think it worked out pretty well for me yeah no kidding uh, this year uh, i don't know if you're a guy who sets uh, statistical goals for yourself or not at the, at the start of the year but um 35 goals right now uh on a pretty good pace uh and you've already blown past your career best uh, numbers as you would expect in your third season. But, um, this year, pretty happy with the, uh, the production you've been able to put together. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think this year I want to go in and, uh, statistically, uh, do a lot better than I have in my previous seasons. I think I've done that. Um, obviously I want to finish strong here with, uh, I think nine games remaining. Um, but yeah, um, I think I've, I've done pretty well this year and, um, I obviously want to have a good defensive game as well. I think that's helped uh, uh, my game. Well, that's where I was going to go next is outside of the this, the numbers, the offensive numbers. 
to get drafted, you gotta, you can't just be a one-dimensional offensive player. So the, the, the defensive side of the game, the, the two-way part, uh, has come around for you this year as well. I don't know if you thought it was a weakness or anything, but you feel like you, uh, developed and become a, a better, more well-rounded player this year? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, obviously it's good to be offensive, but, um, I think when you try to play a more defensive game and, um, you know, do well in your own zone, I think, uh, your chances offensively will come and, I've tried to focus on that as much as I have offensively. Luca Burzan of the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, tell me just the, the the move from Moose Jaw to Brandon, uh, fairly similar uh, size towns. I guess Brandon's probably a little bit bigger, I, th- I think at least, uh, but both prairie towns, so uh, pretty similar kind of feel. Yeah, you know, got that small town kind of feeling. I think uh, I don't think Brandon's too much bigger, um, but. Uh, yeah, just got a small town feeling. I think uh, you know the, uh, the fans really come together and uh, they they love their team and um, yeah. Yeah. Now you're a BC guy, so growing up, uh, I think you were around the Vancouver area from Surrey, aren't you? Yeah, from Surrey. Yeah. So any culture shock that you may have experienced uh, going from there to to Moose Jaw, you you've already gotten used to the prairie. But though, when you first arrived at Moose Jaw and having winter out here for the first time, was that a, a big difference for you? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, winters get a little crazy, uh, the prairies, but kind of gotten used to it, you know, minus 40 sometimes, but <laughs> a little bit different from Vancouver. Uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, I, I love it. I love, uh, I love playing in Brandon. I think, um, I like, I think playing for a small town, uh, this is a lot better. Well, and then another team uh, in Manitoba next year. I don't know if, uh, if you guys think much about that or talk much about that, but uh, not having the Kootenai ice, uh, not having to go to BC to play the Kootenai ice. Now it'll be a little bit closer. Maybe a, a natural rival there for the Weekings, uh, the Battle of Manitoba. Yeah, that's going to be uh, you know a pretty good rivalry. I think uh, with Kootenai moving there, I think that's going to be uh, you know some heated games. But um, obviously, that's good for us having a team that close. Yeah. Um, usually, I think Regina's three and a half hours away. That was the closest game before, so uh, I think Winnipeg's only two, I believe. Yeah. So that's yeah. going to be a lot better for our travel as well. Luke, before I let you go, why do you think you weren't drafted last year? Um, I think, uh, no, I, honestly, I think maybe I didn't show uh, that I was good enough to get drafted. Um, I think maybe I, I have a lot of things to work on, and you know that's okay. I think uh, getting dra- uh, getting drafted is obviously a special feeling, but I think uh, for me, getting undrafted, being undrafted was probably a good thing for me, a little, you know, reality check. And uh, I think, it, like I said before, I think a little bit of fire under my belly. And um, I want to go into this season you know, proving people wrong, and I want to keep doing that. Well, that's the right attitude to have for sure. Did you have a, a, a camp invite, an NHL camp invite at all? Yes, I, I uh, attended the Ottawa Centers camp. Great. Well, at least that's a, a bit of a reward in, in itself. Even though you get don't get drafted, at least you know you're on the radar for teams. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Well, Luca, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, good luck through this uh, road trip through the Central Division, and uh, whatever happens, maybe we'll see you in the playoffs. Yeah, thank you very much. I really liked uh, Luca Burzan in his uh, rookie season with the Moose Jaw Warriors. Just thought he was a real tenacious player and had size and, and showed some hand skills as well. Uh, last year, I think he just kind of got a bit lost in the shuffle in Moose Jaw, and then the move to Brandon really kind of um, shown what he could have done. And I wonder if he had been higher up on the depth chart. I think his numbers would have been a lot stronger in Moose Jaw, but 
I, I was still surprised that uh, somebody didn't take a chance. At, uh, I was still surprised somebody didn't use a like a late round pick, a seventh round pick on Luca Burzan last year. How good would that look right now? There's a guy who's got 35 goals going into this weekend's play. I think you're going to have to use a, uh, a more than a seventh round pick to lock him up this June. Well, that's my take. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Pipeline Show. Thanks to everybody that you heard on the program for uh, coming on the show this week. And thanks to the uh, the media contacts for those teams as well for putting those interviews together and, and finding time uh, for me to uh, speak with those players and for Patrick McNeil as well. Next week on the show, have a guest that I had planned to have on this week. Uh, his name is Jeremy Davies, plays for Northeastern, uh, the club that uh, just recently won the Beanpot. I wanted to talk to him this week to reflect on the Beanpot win. He's also a nominee for the Hobie Baker Award, happens to be Canadian. So uh, that's why there was no classic uh, NCAA campus report this week, because that was supposed to happen on Thursday, yesterday, and uh, it did not come to fruition. So scheduled to uh, speak with uh, Jeremy early next week. So that'll be one of the interviews on next week's show. If you have some requests of players you'd like to hear in uh, uh, future 2019 draft spotlights, you can uh, let me know. Send me a note on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. A lot of people uh, did that in the last uh, day or two, so I'll be checking off some boxes there as well. And uh, keeping up to date on everything happening in the across the CHL, including the dub and uh, the, in the USHL in the States also. And this time next week, we'll be talking about playoffs across the CJHL. So lots to get to next week. Between now and then, make sure that you get out and watch some junior college hockey so that we can discuss it together next week here on the Pipeline Show. Till then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.